Welcome to Qualia, a thought experiment in sound. I'm Bishop Sand. This is episode two. Empathy. Now the word empathy always sounds good, but strangely, our approach to it, and many of its consequences, are far from positive. A warning to listeners, this episode contains some disturbing material that is both real and imagined. Just like last episode, in order to feel what we've designed for you to experience, you'll need to be fully present in this episode. So please, remove any distractions. Ideally, you're sitting in a quiet space, with your eyes closed. And again, we're going to use a technique called directed visualization, where we help you construct a world to experience. It's not hard. All you have to do is relax, feel creative, and focus on my instructions. So, ready to begin? Then let's go to a completely different place. Take a few deep breaths. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Focus on your breath. To start, we're going to try a technique pioneered by Professor Daniel Batson. That's him right there. It's called perspective taking. Let's construct our environment. It's a humid summer afternoon. We're surrounded by stained concrete, squeaking escalators near a metro station. A man wearing a blue long sleeve shirt is offering up a cup to commuters going home. He has large, tired eyes and deep creases running down into his beard. His name is Harold Mitchell. Take a moment and really try to imagine what he's feeling and thinking. It's really humiliating to be shaking a cup 24 hours a day and people just look at you like you're some kind of little bomb. He's 56 years old. And he lives on the streets. He is lonely. And it's, and it's hard. But uh, after the end of the day, when, when people go home and everybody get on the mess train, and then my, and then I just feel so bad that I can't be going on, you know. I'm sorry, but uh, 
it's really emotional because I'm really trying to get myself together and get off this tree, you know. He also needs food, clothing, just a place to wash. He became homeless three years ago after losing his job because of an illness. His age and his health problems keep him from securing employment. Again, think of what he's thinking, what he's feeling. In fact, let's go further. Let's step inside Harold. Just cause I'm down on my luck, don't give nobody no excuse to call me no bomb. Because I'm not. He has no immediate family. He really needs help. This feeling that you're feeling right now, it's very common. It's called Empathy. It's the feelings evoked when you see someone in need. We're going to leave Harold Mitchell for the moment, but don't forget him. We're now stepping into a brand new environment, for reasons that will become clear in a minute. Imagine you're in a room with wooden floors, a large table in the middle with chairs surrounding it. You're wearing nice clothes and dress shoes. We're going to need some people in here, so let's construct them. First, let's create a woman. Use this voice as a guide. I have a house and a garden, and I actually keep bees, (laughs) which is, uh, it's, I guess that's my eccentricity. Imagine her to be a little short with big expressive eyes but it's just me and my dog Dickinson. You know, like I'm kind of a solo kind of animal, I guess. Yeah. Now, let's construct another person using this voice. I am the president and CEO of Brightside. It's a tech startup. Again, construct him piece by piece. This time, you get to imagine his face, his hairstyle. Uh, Originally from Connecticut, uh, educated out west, west coast anyhow. Now, just fill out the room with a few more people. Okay, so now we made enough people for a proper dinner party. We thought a dinner party would be a perfect place for you to explore your empathetic mechanisms. It's a place where disparate perspectives collide. And we've carefully constructed the characters to do battle, so to speak, for you. Let's listen in. How does it compare to, to back home? It's back pretty wild, man. I like, saw a dude drop his wallet after getting off the bus. And there's a homeless guy who just ran up and grabbed his wallet. And I'm thinking he's about to take off. But he ran up to the guy who dropped it and gave it back to him. Oh, well, 
That's just crazy, man. Like, oh, wow. I mean, if that were me, I would have at least checked how much money was in there first. That's surprising. You think it's surprising? Yeah. I mean, that's not how they normally act, right? I mean, do you think he's up to something or whatever? What do you think? Well, I don't know. I've, I've tried to help people before. And if I feel like, in my experience, if you offer real help, that, you know, they, they tend to, like, avoid that. They kind of want the quick fix or they want, like, just some money for some more right. drugs. Well, I just, I'm, it's from experience, you know. I think if you really try to empathize with these people, you'll feel their struggles and you'll find a way, we can all find a better way to just help these people. Yeah, but how, much, how much energy, realistically, can you put towards that? Well, and, and, you know? and, and let's, we don't live in Soviet Russia, right? If people aren't willing to work, if they're not willing to contribute to society, why should society contribute to them? Yeah, this problem won't go away. I completely If they want a dollar from me, Maybe they should, uh, I don't know, come rake my yard for yeah, a couple minutes. Exactly. But maybe, they, you know? but maybe they, they do want to work. You assume that they don't want to work, but they haven't worked to get them out of here. But like, you know, Santos, like you're a teacher, you could you could speak to this. Yeah, I don't think it's their fault that they're homeless. I mean, what about people that are homeless as children or teenagers? I mean, do you think like, that they're lazy? I'd love to just chime in here and say that I think it would take a lot of effort to change this system. I mean, what are we going to do? I'll take money out of our own pockets, like yeah, this hard-earned exactly. cash that like we've tried and you know built our own selves up and, and take that and just throw that at some cause that's like going to take an extreme solution. I don't know. I'm just yeah. not sure I believe that. Yeah, what changes like actually are think, by that? I think like, we're underestimating the number of people we're talking about here. I mean, there's nearly half a million people in the U.S. are homeless, and so that's one out of every 600 people. No, like I would give, I would, I would give money to homeless people, and I realized at some point that like it, it would sort of just make things worse. You know, I'm pretty sure that he would spend that on booze. I don't know. What do you think we should do? What do you think? What do you say here? Do these arguments resonate with you? They kind of want the quick fix. If they're not willing to contribute to society, why should society contribute to them? It, it would sort of just make things worse, you know? Have you used them yourself when confronted by a homeless person in need? We crafted them from experiments that have been shown to block empathy. You see, when someone's in need, you can think of them as a signal that triggers your empathy. And like any signal, 
you can block it and not feel that empathy. You can block the signal by rationalizing, which means coming up with reasons not to feel empathy. This is exactly what most of the people in the dinner party were doing. But you can also escape the situation. You can cross the street that physically stops you from encountering that signal. And you can suppress the signal by helping that would fulfill a person's need and stop the person from making you feel empathy. Let's remember Harold Mitchell again. I go to fill out applications for a job and stuff. They look at me, you know, I'm not looking presentable. If you were sensing empathy coming on, you likely had an impulse to rationalize his situation, to escape it, or maybe even to help it. And researchers say this is completely justified. We feel empathy, we're likely to be altruistically motivated, and that's going to cost us. And if you can avoid empathizing altogether, you can avoid putting yourself in that tense situation. Take a moment to imagine these tense situations. They can be very distressing. Think of times in your life when you saw someone in need felt that empathic distress. Someone injured in a traffic accident. Someone harassed and afraid. I'm sure you can think of your own examples. You just feel really bad. (laughs) Your pulse could be racing, your stomach clenching, your palms starting to sweat. It's not pleasant. And it's why we avoid empathy altogether. So we can just get rid of this distress. So, what can we do? There is another side to empathy, and it doesn't involve any distress. It's called empathic care. literally can be described as a kind of softness in the the chest, so you might feel it in your body. (laughs) Again, Professor Wagger and Zaki. It's like you want to reach out and hug them, or help them, or hold them, or something. Right? But it's really a moving, it's a moving toward the person. It's a feeling that they're connected to you, or that you want to connect with them. Connected to you. Being able to feel hurt, but not turn away. There's a sense, at least at the level of the brain, that these people are experiencing others suffering, not as an aversive, awful thing for themselves, but as an opportunity. 
here's the thing. You can develop your empathic care. It's a skill to overcome your distress. I think that we could all participate in a little compassion meditation right now. And one way okay. to improve upon this skill yeah, is meditating, focusing on those who suffer. Buddhists do this all the time. For a first pass at how you might do this, let's go back to our little dinner party where one of our characters is leading the other guests. Let yourself go on a ride with this meditation, even though meditating might not be your thing. Simply let yourself feel this warmth, and your distress can just fade away. Okay, it's not all just touchy and feely. There's a real basis for this type of thinking. That's right. This is the Buddhist Roshi Joan Halifax, and she has some more advice on how to achieve this empathic care. She says when you first feel the distress coming on. Attune to the fact that you are becoming dysregulated or upset. Okay, so then what? You can reallocate your attention to a neutral place. For example, like the pressure of your feet on the floor. Just as a kind of way of grounding yourself and allowing the body to downregulate. Another way is um, to understand the truth of impermanence. Later on in the dinner party, after everyone is eaten, Orlando, I'm serious? I'm still hungry. Things are winding down. 
Now, we're going to tag along with two dinner party guests. We're just observing them, not interacting with them. Careful, it's slick there. You see, they're about to feel empathy. Janice, I know Scotty wouldn't want me telling you this. Then are you sure you should? And one will feel empathic care, while the other, distress. You know, he really looks up to you. While observing, think about how you would react in the situation. What would you do? Great, I am so glad to hear that. It's just, he could be doing so much more oh, for okay. you. Jesus, no. rain, look, here. Excuse me, could you, uh, Not today, man. Oh, it's rain. But, Manus, Manus, it's freezing out here. Here, sir, I've got, I don't have much, but I've got some change here, here. Why don't you take it? Here's the dollars. See, Manus, this is what you were talking about earlier. Huh? There. There you go, here. You have a good day. Take care of yourself, okay? Thank you, thank you, Mel. Manus, it's freezing out here. So you think I give him a couple dollars, it's gonna make him warmer then? No, but I... Look, what, what is this, a, a ukulele? All right, man, hey, look, here. Here's five bucks. You play me a song with that ukulele, and it's yours. He's nuts! Oh but my... he is, Rain? That's exactly what he is. I'm not even asked that it be that good of a song. He just needs to provide some kind of service. It's, it's, it's too cold, sir. Oh, right, yeah, it is. It is. It is cold. Well, there's a shelter over on 15th. They'd be happy to take you in. Until then, you're not getting my money for nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to have bothered you. Manus, that was disgusting! Right? I think we should probably just change the subject, huh? Oh, oh my god! In this moment, the homeless man is hurt, and both characters feel empathy. Oh my god, what? he fell! He fell, sir, oh, are you okay? But notice how they experience it differently. Oh, oh my god, oh, oh he's hurt. Oh, he's bleeding. Oh, he's bleeding. Hey man, can you, oh my god. are you okay? Are, are you good? Oh, he's really hurt. Oh god, he's Hey, can you hear me? No, I think this might be kind of serious. Hey, Rain. Rain. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You're gonna take my handkerchief here. You're gonna just gonna hold my handkerchief to his head. All right. Okay. Okay. It's gonna be okay. We're let's just let's let's help him up. Let's help him up. All right. Look, my my car's just around the corner. All right. We'll take him to my car. Okay. We'll get him in there, and we'll just take him to the hospital. You're gonna be okay. 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 Keep holding that cloth to his head. He's gonna be okay. How do you react to empathy? You can share your stories of coming across people in need, the distress you felt, and what happened at our website, qualiapod.com. No judgment. These are feelings we all have, because when someone is in need, that signals you to feel empathy. You can block the signal through rationalizing, escaping, or helping. And if the signal isn't blocked, you experience empathic distress or empathic care. Both promote helping the person in need, but obviously the distress is less pleasant. Many people see empathy as something good inside themselves or others, and they're attracted to it. You have the ability to lift your blockade feel more empathy, change your experience to a less distressing and more caring form of empathy. 
And this change doesn't have to feel unpleasant. It doesn't have to feel like you're eating your vegetables. We're not even promoting that you should feel more empathy. We just want you to consider the idea that you have the ability to change your openness to empathy. And it's probably something that deep down you want to do. That's it for this episode. More information, a long reading list, and full interviews from scientists we talked to at qualiapod.com. While you're there, you can reach out to us with your own stories, if you like, under the Interact tab at the top. A note to listeners, the Harold Mitchell story was constructed from a real interview with a Chicago homeless man named Ronald Davis and the psychologist Daniel Batson's experimental procedure in order to evoke empathy from you. To make this episode, we actually held a real dinner party with strangers who graciously took on roles and backstories we constructed using empathy research. So, special thanks to each of our fantastic dinner party guests. They are. My name's Dan Boyce, and I played Manus Brogan. My name's Molly Maloda, and I played Santos. So, my name is Melissa Utomo, and I play Vet Barnes. I'm Nora Gully. And I'm playing Melody. Um, I'm Maya Jacobi, and I played Stella Hogan. So my name is Jorge Nicolás Hernández Charpac, but people call me Nico. And I was playing the character of Ernest Manon. Uh, my real name is Sam Rogers, and I played the character of Jeff Paul. Okay, my name is Danny Merriman, and I played Nadine Welsh. My name is Samuel Bryant. I played the character of Orlando Hogan. My name is Josh Vitucci, and I play Scotty Monroe. My name is Rebecca Jacobson, and I play Rain Earthshine. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I need to work on my, like, straight face. You can see what these people actually look like with some fantastic portraits from Josh Vertucci at qualiapod.com. You can compare them with the images you constructed in your own mind, and, uh, you know, seeing people after hearing their voices is always a shock. This episode was also informed with interviews by experts that you may or may not have heard. Here are their titles. My name is Jamil Zaki. I'm an assistant professor of psychology at Stanford University, and I study how people respond to each other's feelings. My name is Emil Bruneau, and I'm director of the Peace and Conflict Neuroscience Lab at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm Tor Wager. I'm a professor of psychology and neuroscience at the University of Colorado Boulder. Ooh, I'm also a professor in the Institute of Cognitive Science. My name is Dan Passman. I'm was a professor of social psychology at the University of Kansas for a long time. My name is Paul Slovic, and I've been studying risk and decision-making for more years than I'd like to admit. <laughs> you can check out Paul Slovic's website, arithmeticofcompassion.org, and his book, Numbers and Nerves. My name is uh, Joan Halifax, and I'm abbot of Upaya Zen Center, as well a social activist. Be sure to check out her book where she describes more methods of achieving this compassionate state. It's called Standing at the Edge, Finding Freedom Where Fear and Courage Meet. And before we go, I just want to say that this is an experimental new show. We'd really like to hear what you think of it. Go to qualiapod.com where you can leave a comment or a voicemail. Special thanks to Lee Patterson, Ray Ellen Bichelle, and Sarah Rosinski. Jordan Wersprock is Qualia's editor and co-creator. 
Our team also includes Dan Boyce and Josh Fertucci. I'm Bishop Sand. Thanks for listening.